Well, good morning. <clears throat> Most of you know I rarely play the drums and preach on the same day, right? That's just really tough, but uh, we, didn't, we didn't have a drummer, so pinch then. Thanks, thank you for letting me do that, to be honest with you. <laughs> no, I don't go there. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's about worship. You know, once, once you get back there and you just, you just worship. And one of the things I know about this worship team is that they, when they're singing, when they're playing, for them it's about worship. It's about worshiping God. And I love that. I love that so much. Um, all right. So uh, I don't know how many of you are here for the first time in the last three weeks, but we've been going through a series on the life of Joseph. We've been talking about this young man who started off as the favorite son and then became the favorite slave and then became the favorite butler. And we're going to talk about him becoming the favorite prisoner. Yeah, how cool is that, right? I mean, this is a story about a young man who no matter what, he refused to let go of this promise that he had that God had given him since he was young. And the one question we kept asking is, what, how does this happen? How does this guy keep at it and keep going, doesn't get discouraged? Well, he does what any 17-year-old would do, who would know beyond the shadow of a doubt that God has a plan for him at every step of the way. Now, I want to show you a text here. And it says this. Many of you have heard this text before. It says, and we know. We what? We know. We know that in all things. I don't know if you have a Bible. I don't, I don't know if you don't mind writing in your Bible, but I would circle the word, the word all. Because I wonder if we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. All things, it says, right? You mean pit moments? Yes, pit moments. Even when there's no evidence of escape? Yes, even when there's no evidence of escape. All things, right? All things? Even when it seems like there's no release from the bondage that, that I'm in? Yes, all things. God works together for good. Even when I can't pay the bills? Yes. Even when I make my own mistakes and cause myself to fall into the pit? All things. All things, it says, right? See, some of us now are like, there was a couple of amens before, but now we're like, oh, wait a minute, now, wait a minute, what, what are you saying? I'm just saying what the Bible says. All things, it says, right? When there is no rest from the, the relentless temptations that come at us, even then, all things. When no sign of God interfering with when we are wrongly accused and when we are persecuted, in all things, it says. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. In captivity to anxiety, in captivity to worry, in captivity to oppression, in all things. 
Uh, say it with me. All things. No, I mean, I, I mean, like, really say it, okay? Come on. All things. I want you to get this in your mind today. I want you to absorb this concept. Because as believers, we think it's most things. Those of us who have a little more faith than others. Some of us who have a little less faith, we say, well, in some things. And then there are some sitting in this church that are saying, well, no, he's rarely ever there. But Paul says, if you love him, if you love him, and if you believe that you have been called according to his purpose, then all things work together for good. See, Joseph loved God. And Joseph believed that he was called according to his purpose. And therefore, he believed, he knew, there was no doubt in his mind that anything, no matter what, in the pit, as a butler for Potiphar, while he's being tempted, while he's being accused, while he's thrown into jail, it doesn't matter. Somehow, God will work through this. And we talked about this last week. We're just going to re recap. As he was being tempted, we talked about three things that he did. Remember that? We said that he was able to refuse, and if that didn't work, he was able to remember, and if that didn't work, he was able to run. He actually did all three of those, refuse, remember, and run. This is the formula on how to overcome the enemy. Refuse, remember, and run. Refuse. As soon as it comes at you, just say, no, I'm going to look away. I'm going to go away. I'm going to move away. I'm not going to do that. Remember. Remember means I'm going to remember who I am, who is looking up to me. I'm going to remember the God who is counting on me. I'm going to remember my family, my church. I'm going to remember my children. I'm going to remember my parents. I'm going to remember. And then I'm going to run. <laughs> I'm going to run. And although he was able to overcome the temptation, unfortunately, he was not able to overcome the accusation. And we talked about how Potiphar found out about it from his wife. And I don't believe Potiphar really believed his wife, but of course, now he's got to do something. And so he throws him into the king's prison. And I want you to look at this question, uh, before the question, sorry. I, I, was, just, this, I was driving uh, to my bank. How many of you bank with Giza? Have you seen this sign? Every time I see this sign, I think about this story. Play now. Pay later. Play now. Pay. That's, see, that's Lucifer's message. That's a great message. Hey, man, play now. Don't worry about it. Pay later. And here's the reality. You cannot be reactive in your life. You must be proactive. Meaning that you cannot be a victim of circumstances and of people and of situations and of, you have to say, I'm going to make an advanced decision on who I am in God's glory with his purpose guiding me and that's how I'm going to live. So I'm going to not play now and pay later. I'm going to play as God allows me to because God is not the cosmic killjoy. He loves for you to play. He just wants you to do it in the right timing in the right way. Because those are the ways that you're going to be the happiest. Does that make sense? So, there is this 
text in Genesis chapter 39. This is where we're at. And it says, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison. The place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, and again, if you don't mind writing in your Bible, I would underline this. In fact, I have something next to this. It says, the Lord was with him. And in my margin, in my Bible, I wrote, so what? Thanks, Jesus, for being with me in prison. I love it. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. But you know what? I would rather you be with me somewhere else. Thank you, Lord. But if it means that, that I have to be in here for you to be with me, then, then maybe I'm not, I don't know, maybe I'm not following the right person. Maybe you ought to go and be with my brothers. Maybe you need to go and be with Pharaoh's wife a little bit. That's what I think. That's what needs, that's who needs you, right? It says, but while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Woohoo! Listen, when you come to the point of your life that you know the prison warden on a first name basis, that's not a good thing. This is not a good thing. This is a bad thing. Somehow, a thank you, Lord, by the way, for the new friend I have. The prison warden. Appreciate that. Oh, oh, I see. More responsibilities? That's great, Lord. Thank you. I was hoping to actually take a nap in prison. But no, now i got to be in charge of everybody else in prison, right? Because that's what it says. He showed him kindness and granted him favor of the eyes of the prison warden so that the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison. Thank you. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. All that was done there. How? How does Joseph survive that? I mean, I get upset when somebody just misspeaks about me. I mean, my whole day could be ruined because of that. I, am I wrong? I mean, you're laughing like I'm the only me, but I know some of you guys. I mean, I get upset when my, somebody cuts me off. I get upset when my car breaks down. I get upset about all kinds of stuff, and I'm like, come on, Lord, where are you? And this guy, he is thrown into prison. He's on a first-name basis with the prison warden. And somehow he's able to do something that I just don't understand. And here's what I believe it is. I believe he does what any young man would do who is convinced behind the shadow of a doubt that God has a purpose for his life. So here's the question. How do you and I wake up every morning and remain and remind ourselves that God has written you in this script of this epic story. Do you know that? You think that somehow you're just here by accident, but you are not here by accident. In fact, I'm going to pick on Charlie today. I don't know why he's wearing a nice shirt. Charlie, I want you to know something. And I want you to take this as if I am saying this to each and every one of you. Okay? 
or as if actually better, God is saying this to you. Charlie, you need to know something. Doesn't matter what your life has been like. It doesn't matter what's going on right now. You need to know something. Before you were born, Charlie, listen, are you looking at me? Look at me. I'm talking to you. Before you were born, there's never been another Charlie in this world, on this earth, that has your DNA, your thumbprint, your personality, your character. Never, ever, 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 right? And when you're dead and gone, which is a long time from now, long time from now, there will never be another Charlie like you. Never. Is it possible, Charlie, look at me, listen to me. Is it possible that God has put you on this earth to do something in such a way that nobody ever has or could and nobody ever will unless you do it? Are you following me? All right, Matt. Listen to me. I picked on Charlie, but this is the truth for every one of us. God has written you. God has written me in the script of this epic story. We're all part of it. We are all involved. We are all important. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your economic level. None of it matters. All that matters is that once you grab a hold of the fact that God has a purpose for your life, once you begin to accept that in your mind, in your heart, and once you begin to fall in love with Jesus, you will begin to realize, like Joseph did, all things work together for good. All things. I'm in prison right now. Well, okay, we'll make this work. We'll make this work. Now, the story continues, and it's a long story, and we can't go through the whole story. So I'm going to actually go through some highlights here. Fair enough? So now he's in prison. And while he's in prison, God makes some things happen. The first thing that happens is that the cupbearer, that's the person who tastes the food and wine of the Pharaoh, and the baker, somehow, we don't even know what it was, but somehow they did something against the Pharaoh, and it offended the Pharaoh, and it doesn't take much, probably, to offend the Pharaoh, and the Pharaoh says, you're gone. And now they end up in prison. And guess who's in charge of them? Joseph. Hi. Nice to meet you guys. I'm the little Jewish boy. And I'm in charge of you. Oh, there's really not much going on right now. We caught a huge rat in cell three. Boy, I tell you what, it was big. But I'm, I, there really isn't much going on here. Just do what you can to stay positive. And one day, these two have a dream, and they both have separate dreams. And they're like, you know, we've had these dreams, and we don't know what to do. And Joseph says, huh, you know, I know something about dreams. In fact, here's what I believe. I believe if you tell me what the dreams are, God's going to reveal to you what they mean. Really? Yes. And so the cupbearer tells his dream, and the baker tells his dream. And Joseph does not have good news for the baker. He basically says to the baker in a couple of days, gone. Then he turns to the cupbearer. And he says, now you, 
Pharaoh is going to release you in three days. And you're going to get to serve him again. I don't know, maybe he had indigestion one day, <laughs> and Pharaoh's like, I need my cupbearer back. You know, I don't know. But he wants his cupbearer back. And the cupbearer is like, really? And this is what happens here. This is very important. He says, but when all goes well with you, Joseph is talking to the cupbearer. He says, when all goes well with you, what? Remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. Here's, here's what you need to understand. It's not, like, it's not like Joseph is going, oh, it's okay. I'm in prison. It's all good, right? Hey, you know, I'm, I'm in charge, so everything's fine. No, that's when he says, I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews. And even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in this, in this dungeon. So I don't want to be here. I don't like being here. So when you get out of here in three days, as you will, and it'll happen, when you do, remember me. Remember me. See, it's one thing to say, I accept the situation I'm in, and I know that all things work together. I get that, God, but I don't like being here. Is that okay, God? Well, of course. I don't like you to like being here either. God doesn't like you to, be, to like being in prison. Please don't get that message out of this. God doesn't like you to like being in a pit. Don't take that message from this. What I'm saying to you is what God is saying is, listen to me. Even when you're there, even when these things happen, I am with you. And I'll work it out. The next section says, the chief cupbearer, however, what? Did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Have you ever been forgotten? Have you ever realized that somebody forgot you? In my adulthood, I've been very, very blessed. My wife has never forgotten my birthday. Now, for the first 10 years, she thought it was on the 21st, but it's on the 22nd, but that's okay, right? Because I still was able to be remembered, right? Until this day, she's still like, is it the 21st, 22nd? You know. But I've never been forgotten that way, but I remember one time when I was a teenager, I was a young guy, and there was, I was going out with this really, really hot girl. Sorry for using that kind of language here. Her name was Carol, and man, and she was, there were three sisters and three of us were going out with them, and it was fantastic. And we had this plan to go to Jones Beach, New York, and we were going to go to the beach and have a great time together. And I was like really excited about this, and, but I didn't drive at the time. So my bass player, Greg, he was going to pick me up. He was going out with the other sister, Karen. And so I'm like, all right, cool, you pick me up. And I, I, I'm waiting there. And they're supposed to be there at 7 o'clock in the morning. 7 o'clock in the morning comes and goes. She's, they're not there. 8 o'clock in the morning comes and goes, and they're not there. There are no cell phones on these days. So I'm like, okay, there's no way of getting a hold of these people. I'm calling the houses, but that, they're gone. 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, I realized something. I'm not going. I was so devastated. It took me weeks to get over that. You know why? Because Carol had a good time anyway. She, she didn't need me to go. Have you ever been forgotten? This is a little more serious here, isn't it? In this situation, he's forgotten. So 
two years go by, the Bible tells us. Two years. I want you to think about how long two years is. See, that was about 10 seconds. Started getting uncomfortable after 10 seconds, right? How many of you remember when you were in school, some of you are still in school, and you, you just were waiting for that bell to ring, and it was like the last five minutes seemed like the longest five minutes. It's like, what is up with this, man? Why do they slow the clocks down in the last five minutes of the class, right? Two years. Two years. And Joseph is there, and he doesn't like it. He's not happy there. He's like, I can't believe this. The cupbearer is still there. He's still alive. He's doing, I just asked him one thing. This was an easy thing to do. I'm not even asking him to do a miracle. I'm just asking him to remember me. I'm just asking him to say something. To Why would you not say something? Two years go by. And then one day, Pharaoh has a dream, the Bible tells us. Now, I know many of you have heard this story so many times, and as I say so many times, do not let the familiarity of this story rob you of its blessing. Because there are some amazing things going on right here. Pharaoh has a dream. Now, you have to understand, in Egypt, Pharaoh is considered God. There is no one higher than Pharaoh. And yet, he has this dream, and he doesn't have a clue what it means. He actually has two dreams. He has a dream of cows, fat cows eating skinny cows. And then he has a dream of fat, uh, big, long stalks of corn overcoming the little corns. And it's like, what is, what is going on here? And the cupbearer goes, wait, 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 hold on. I remember somebody in jail. He was like a friend of the warden, by the way. And he interpreted my dream and the baker's dreams exactly the way, the way it came out. And I think Pharaoh, and see, at this point now, see, this is good for him, right? Because now he's getting some brownie points with the Pharaoh. Hey, I know somebody. I know somebody. I, I got you covered, Pharaoh. I mean, I can't do it, but I know who can. And so Pharaoh gets Joseph to come back. And they clean him up. Can you imagine what Joseph is thinking at this point? Like, what is going on here? Because he doesn't have a clue. All he knows is that he's being taken in and he's getting shaved and cleaned up because you don't go before the Pharaoh like a dirty prisoner. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream. And no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said that you, or of you, that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Yes. Can you imagine being Joseph at this moment? Wow, is this what this is about? I've been waiting so long for this moment. This is so good. I don't know about you, if I was Joseph, I'd be like, yep, you called the right guy. I'm here for the promotion. No, he says these words, I cannot do it. Wait, time out. 
Hello, Joseph, excuse me. Uh, you know, if I was like Joseph's consultant, I'd be like, Joseph, come here, come here for a second. Right? Listen. I get the whole credit to God. Thing. I got that. That's no problem. Just, just give it to him later. You know, God gets you. He knows. He's doing this for you. Don't say, I cannot do it. This is Pharaoh. You don't say, I cannot do it to Pharaoh. You say, I can't do it, you know. He just, I cannot do it. Pharaoh, can you imagine Pharaoh in that movie? Because we don't know how long it was before he said, I cannot do it, but God will. We have no idea how, and, and if you think two years was a long time, I bet you that, that moment between those two sentences were long for Pharaoh. Wait a minute, I, I heard it say you could. I cannot, but God can, and God will. Well, I'm God. No, you're not. You think you're God. What is this prisoner saying? You're not God. But God will give Pharaoh the answers he desires. Wow. Think about that for a moment. And Pharaoh is enough of a man to say, okay, tell me, tell me, tell me about the dream. And so Joseph, uh, Pharaoh tells the dream and says, okay, tell me what it means. And Joseph says, okay, here's what's going on. I need you to listen very carefully. Look at me, just like I was telling the Charlie. Look at me. This is very important, okay? There's going to be set. You got two dreams because God's like saying this is, exact, this is definitely going to happen. But if you got two dreams, that means it's definitely going to happen. So are you listening to me, Pharaoh? Because this is really important, okay? Listen to me. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to have seven years of amazing, amazing plenty and abundance. You're going to do great. It's going to be fantastic. You're going to be f- an amazing thing. And then, but then those seven, are you... Pharaoh, look, look at me. Listen, this is really important. After seven years, you're going to have seven years of famine, okay? So that's, that's not good, okay? That's going to happen. So you, are you, are you, write this down, Pharaoh, because what I'm going to share with you is really important, all right? Listen to me. When that happens, this is what he says. I kid you not. Read about it. He says, when that happens, you're going to need somebody who knows what they're doing with this. In essence, he's saying, you're not the one. Even though you are Pharaoh, even though you, are, you think you're God, you know, you're not the one that can do this. You need somebody. You need somebody with wisdom that will know how to take care of this. You're going to have to be able to conserve the seven, make sure during those seven years that you, you, you ration out how much you give to everybody else, little by little. Be careful here. Don't do that. Make sure, make sure that, you know, you have to have just the right person, okay? You... Are you writing this down, Pharaoh? This is really, really important. Well, there must be something to Pharaoh because he's not a stupid man. And he says these words. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. By the way, that's that, that, and to all his officials, that's a good one to me. Because when... when Pharaoh hears this, he says, ah, that sounds good. He turns to his officials. What do you guys think? Oh, that's a great plan. (laughs) Love it. And then he says, can we find anyone like this man? One in whom is the spirit of God. Remember what we said last week, right? I can't, I don't believe in God, but I can't explain you. I don't believe in the Hebrew God, but I have no idea why, why you have so much spirit, so much passion, so much enthusiasm, so much wisdom from God. I can't explain you. That is such a great compliment, isn't it? 
And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all of this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. Right, guys? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely, Pharaoh. That's sure. I mean, we've been, we've been to the schools of Egypt. We've spent years studying. We have served in this court for you. But the Jewish guy who has been in the school of hard knocks, that young man who's been in prison, an inmate, yeah, yeah, he's the guy you want. Like, what on earth is happening here? Can you imagine being one of those officials? Like, what are you, what, 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 would, you, what would you be thinking? Like, Pharaoh has lost it. I know what the dreams was. The dreams was too much buttermilk pancakes in, in, in the, 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 more, the night before. That's what's going on right now. But of course they can't say that. And he says, you shall be in charge of my palace. Now see, it took us three weeks to get to this point. Joseph was 30 years old at this point. So for 13 years of his life, he saw no hope. He saw no future. And yet, as he hears those words, he knows all things. Come on, say it with me. All things work together for good to those who love the Lord. How many things? All things. 13 years? All things. And all my people are to submit to your orders only with you. Or only with respect to the throne, excuse me. Will I be greater than you? Check that out. I mean, what is going on here? How does Pharaoh trust this guy? How does this happen? What is it about Joseph that is so absolutely powerful? Because, listen to me, just because we don't see it, it doesn't mean it's not happening. Just because God is silent, it doesn't mean that he is absent. All good according to the way things go with God. So now, he begins his journey. And he does exactly what he said the guy should do. And sure enough, Pharaoh and Egypt are doing great. The seven years of plenty come, and they're storing it. They're doing everything. The seven years of famine come, and, and suddenly now people are coming, not just from Egypt, from all over the world to pay homage to Pharaoh because he's the only one who has grain. He's the only one who has food. And so they're coming to him. And as they're coming to him one day, and I don't have the time to read you this whole story. you got to read it for yourself. We're coming to the end of this. This is really important. One day, Joseph's brothers are sent by Jacob to go to Egypt. He has no clue. Nobody has a clue. They think he's dead. He's gone. He's over. He was sold as a slave. Who knows what happened to Joseph? All they know is they got to go to Egypt 
and they got to get some food, and they go there, and the story says that Joseph recognizes who they are. They don't recognize who he is, and there is some funny stuff happening here, by the way. Again, I don't have time. You should read these chapters, but he's kind of playing with them a little bit. It's, it's, it's actually quite funny. I love it. In fact, I love the fact that God allows that to be in the Bible. Uh, okay, I'm going to let you have your fun, Joseph. I'm going to let you write about it, Joseph. It's all right, Joseph. It's all good. Go ahead. Have some fun. But at the end, you know what needs to happen, right? And so this goes on for a while, back and forth, and it's just a, a long, intense story. But it gets to the point where Joseph can't take it anymore. So this goes on for quite some bit. He can't take it anymore. And listen to what it says here. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. Why? Because he'd been playing this game. He'd been wearing this mask saying, okay, I'm still, you know, the second in Pharaoh's command. Or, uh, you know, you guys, you've stolen this. You've done this. I mean, he's just, and, but he can't take it anymore because he's got such love in his heart. And he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. Imagine this moment. Imagine you are one of the brothers. Nephtali. Let's be Nephtali. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him. Years and years of all this pent-up stuff just comes out. He can't help it. Because these are his brothers, and no matter how they treated him, he loved them. We can learn a few things from Joseph here. When we know that he had integrity, we know that he had determination. What stuns me the most about Joseph is his forgiving spirit. I mean, think about this. I mean, his life was, he, he, he could have said, my, you ruined my life. You know, I'm, I've never seen my dad. I, I know what's going on. My little brother Benjamin, I mean, you know. And all, he, he, he wept so loud that all of Pharaoh's household heard about it. And Joseph said to his brother, I am Joseph. Can you imagine being one of the brothers going, what? Joseph? Is, is my father still alive? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified. Oh, no. And then he says these words. So then, please know, it was not you who sent me here. But who? God. What? What? I, is, am I reading this wrong? I mean, what is Joseph saying here? Is Joseph saying that God actually makes bad things happen to people? No, that's not what he's saying. What Joseph is saying, he is revealing some wisdom that, is, that can only come from a deep relationship with Jesus Christ. What he is saying is, look, no matter what we go through, God can turn it for good. That's what he is saying here. The, the, don't stop blame, blaming your, your circumstances. Stop blaming other people. 
Sometimes I talk to people and I ask them, how's your relationship with God? And they'll say to me, well, it would be better if this, you know, this and that. But no, it should be the other way around. It's your relationship with God that should help you to cope with everything that goes around you. Are you following what I'm saying here? He says, it, it was not you who sent me, it was God. He had a plan. He made me the father to Pharaoh. Lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. God did that. Not you. Or, yeah, if, you're not, if I'm not going to give you blame, don't you take the credit. That wasn't you. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to give you the blame, but trust me on this. God is in charge. I love that. So... Years go by. Joseph's dad dies. And Joseph is on his deathbed. He is 110 years old. God bless him, huh? And he senses that the brothers are wondering, you know what, now... Dad is gone. Joseph is dying. I wonder how the Egyptians are going to treat us. I don't know what's going on here. And Joseph says these amazing words. He said, then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin embraced him weeping. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterwards, his brothers talked with him. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. I know you're afraid. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? I'm not God. You intended to harm me. I get that. But God intended it for good. In some version it says, but God turned it for good. To accomplish what is now being done. The saving of what? Of many lives. You see, guys, it's never been about me. It's never been about you guys. It's been about God, and it's been about what he's doing in this world. So don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. Before I die, I make sure you guys are going to be taken care of. He reassures them and speaks kindly to them. Why? Why would they, after all these decades, still need reassuring? Because I tell you what, forgiveness is hard to accept. See, those of you who struggle with forg forgiving people, just know this. Just because you forgive them, they're not feeling like, oh, well, I'm off the hook now. No. True forgiveness is really hard to accept. But Joseph had this principle in his mind, and this was an important principle. The principle was this. Hey, listen. Whatever you don't allow to make you bitter will make you better. Whatever you are willing to say, I will not let this make me bitter. And if you say that, you will be better because of that. So, Joseph said to his brothers these words, I'm about to die. Now, this, this is it right here. This, to me, blows my mind. Don't miss this. If you've been sleeping this whole time, hey, wake up. Listen, this is really important right here. This is big. I am about to die. But God will surely come to your aid. Don't worry about it. 
God is there. And he'll take you up out of this land to the land he promised. Now you have to understand, at this time, the Israelites were doing really well. At this time, they were under the blessings of Joseph and the Pharaoh. They were growing. They were doing amazing. So there would be no reason for Joseph to say this. He might have even said, you know what? This is the way God kind of changed everything around. Now here we are. And look, God's going to bless us. Don't worry. But no, he says, now listen to me. God had an original purpose from the beginning. That original purpose has not ever changed. It's never stopped. It's still the same. Listen to me. God will surely come to your aid and take you up to this land, the land of promise. The oath to Abraham. Remember? Great-grandpa and Isaac and dad. And Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and said, look, you got to do this for me. God will surely come to your aid. And then you must, what? Carry my bones from this place. What? Really, Joseph? I mean, you know, Joseph, that when you die, you just leave. Until the resurrection day. Like, what are you, who cares about where your bones are? Oh, it's not about me. It's not about my bones. It's about making a statement. This is not our home. We don't belong here. And I want you to make that statement by taking my bones and taking them to the land of promise. You, you must promise me this. 400 years go by before Moses comes onto the scene. And when Moses finally says, let my people go, and the, and the exodus finally happens, and we'll talk about that some other time. It's a great story. If you haven't read Genesis, man, go home and read it. You will love it. When he finally happens, one of the things that it says is what? That Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. And then later on when they finally get, 40 years go by, a whole generation dies, but the bones keep passed on so that when Joshua, Joshua finally enters into the promised land, when Joshua finally enters the promised land, guess what he's taking with him? The Bible's very clear. It says he's got Joseph's bones with him. And he buries them. Now, here's the beautiful thing. When I read this, it blew me away because here, here, here we go. Listen. Hebrews 12, Hebrews 11, excuse me. We've been studying Hebrews 11 in our Sabbath school. Great. Listen. Listen to what it says here. You know, that, that's a great, great chapter. It's about, you know, by faith Abraham did this. And by faith Noah did this. By faith, you know, Isaac did this. I mean, it's in a great, great chapter about faith. But when it comes to Joseph, it, it says this. By faith, Joseph, when he was end. When, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egyptian and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. What? Why didn't you say by faith Joseph was able to resist Pharaoh's, uh, Potiphar's wife? That's a big one, right? By faith. Joseph stayed strong no matter all that stuff that happened to him. He believed by faith that all things work together for good, right? By faith. What? 
Why are you bringing up the bones? Why is that such a big deal? I tell you why. Because this is the beauty of, of Joseph. Joseph might have started a bit arrogant as a 17-year-old boy as he was going through those dreams. But as he grew up and as he learned and as he experienced, he began to realize more and more and more, it's not about me. Listen, it's not about you. It's about God and it's about his kingdom. Even God's purpose for your life, it's, it's about the big picture. I mean, God loves you. God wants to rain upon you blessings. He will enrich your life beyond what you can imagine. We talk about this all the time. That's why we accept and serve and love like Jesus. I get all that, but please know, ultimately, it's about God. It's about the promised land. This is not our home. We're, we don't belong here. We've got to stop living like we belong here. Joseph did not like being in Egypt. He did not like being in prison. He didn't li even like being second to Pharaoh. He wanted to go home. And the author of Hebrews says, you know what? That was the moment of faith right there. The moment of faith was when he solidified to all of the believers, there is an exodus coming, and you will be, you will be rescued, and that Messiah is coming. And when that time comes... On that resurrection day, I want my bones to be put together with sinew and, and skin and my spirit to come out of the promised land. That's what I want. Because that's what God promised. And so here's what I want to tell you tonight, today. Please, your circumstances whatever they are right now, they do not have to define you. Do not let them define you. Worship team is coming up. They're going to sing a song. It's actually an adaptation of an old hymn. It's a fantastic hymn. It is well with my soul. And as they come up, I want to tell you about this hymn. Some of you... Uh, more experienced people may know about this hymn and how it was written. Uh, for some of you who are new here and maybe don't know the story, I want to tell you about this story. It was a man, the guy who wrote it was a guy by the name of Horatio Spafford. And Horatio Spafford was a businessman in Chicago. His wife was Anna and he had five children and the youngest died. And they took it hard. And then in the 1800s, the great Chicago fire destroyed his business and they had to rebuild it from scratch. And then on November 21, 1873, there was a ocean liner going from the U.S. to Europe. And Anna and her children got on that ocean liner the thought was that Horatio was going to join them later. But while they're on that ocean liner, they crash into another boat. And the boat begins to sink. And the account is that Anna took her children, gathered them together, and began to pray with them and said, it's okay. 
But as the boat sank, the children all died. As the rescue boats came, they found Anna. She was still alive, hanging on to some piece of log. They rescued her and took her to Europe. When the news reached Horatio, it was so devastating. He got on the very next boat that he could, and he began to make his way to Europe, where Anna was. And the story is told by his daughter, because they had three more children afterwards, that while he was passing over the spot where the accident had happened, where the kids had drowned, one of the attendants says, you know, this is where it happened. And Horatio began to cry. And he began to pen the words to this song that we're going to sing. And as we sing this song, this, I, I want you to do something. Would you do me a favor? Even with its adapted version, I want you to do something. I want you to listen to the words as you sing them. Listen, accept them for what they are. Because the words of this song reflect everything we've been talking about, Joseph. No matter what. It doesn't matter what the winds bring, what the storms bring. It doesn't matter what the accidents are. It doesn't matter what. At the end of it all, it is well with my soul because God's large and in charge.